Amen. Thank you, Brother Terry. Hit that one right on the nail head, man. What a message in that song. Very appropriate for today's message. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And last week we did part one of a two-part sermon series. And so today we're going to look at part two. Called to be a disciple, part two. And so let me just say up front, if you would, if you were not here last week, I'm not going to be able to go over that entire sermon. I'm going to get, kind of give an introduction from, to this message from last week, but it'll be brief about last week. So let me encourage you to go online to our website, mountmtviewbaptistchurch.org, pull up last week's sermon, last week's worship service, the entire worship service, and if you would, watch the worship service and then listen to the sermon and uh, then you'll get the whole, uh, the whole part, both parts, part one and part two. Let me also mention to you, some of you may be wondering, we're going to have our intercessory prayer time at the end or near the close of our service today. But uh, for those viewing online, I don't know, usually it goes off YouTube, Facebook right after the message. But those viewing online would like to know, perhaps too, that Brother Ralph Beckenbach passed away this week, and um, he was our oldest church member. He was 99 years old. He was shooting for 100. He was eight months away from that, and but he's in heaven now, and so uh, his uh, his life on this earth ended. And let me say, he he ended well. He fought a good fight. He finished the course. And now it's laid up, and he's received that that's laid up for him there in what God has prepared, heaven. His favorite word was jeepers, jeepers, jeepers. You know, I think that's more of a Rhode Island, ours doggone or something like that, but his was jeepers. And I told Judy, I just believe the moment he closed his eyes here and took that fast, fast trip to heaven, he probably just tottered jeepers as he went up. He was looking forward to it. He was looking forward to being, uh, having this birthday with the church. Our church will be 100 years old this month, and we'll have a celebration later. But uh, he, was, he thought the Lord brought him here. He thought he was coming to a church that was organized when he was organized in 1921. And so he was, he was uh, like a blood relative to me, a brother and a father, uh, just uh, and to all of us, you that knew him and had were blessed to be a part of his life. He was an amazing person. He was saved at the age of, I believe, uh, 72, 75, maybe. I remember when he caught his first fish at age 75. Never had caught a fish before. And he was just a delightful person. His arrangements were being made this morning, and I'll share those with the church family. It'll be a one-day uh, type of service. They'll do visitation and um, uh, visitation and the funeral. Be here at the church, and he'll be laid to rest uh, here in the cemetery. But I wanted to mention that. Called to be a disciple. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity now we've had to worship you. Thank you for calling our attention to your majesty and, Lord, to your goodness to us. 
and Father, for calling us to salvation. Thank you for the song Terry just sang and reminded us that uh, you had a purpose and a reason for us to be born. And help us, Lord, as believers to understand what that is now. And we pray now that you'll forgive us of our sins. Be with me, I pray. Let me have the words to say, the right spirit to say the man. May I preach your word. Thank you for the, your word and knowing that it's inspired and errant. It comes straight from you and help us, Lord, to realize it's not just words printed on a paper, but it becomes alive and active and it's life-changing. So I pray during the invitation time that people would respond to your invitation. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 4, verse 18 through 22, as we look at a message entitled, Called to be a Disciple, Part 2. Let's look at those verses. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers... Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, that's real important, then he said to them, follow me. Put a parenthesis around follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mended their nets, and he called to them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Last week, we discovered that the first followers of Jesus never called themselves Christians. The term Christian, if you remember, was a derogatory term. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, the Bible says they were called, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. They were called Christians first at Antioch. So the word Christian was a derogatory term. The word Christian only used three times in the Bible. As we compare it to the word disciple, contrast it to disciple, disciples used 281 times in the Bible. And so we also learned how the boys, young boys from 5 to 10 years old, would learn the Torah. They would go to Torah school. They would go to school and they would learn the Torah, memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Matthew, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They would memorize that. And then after 10 years old, uh, they would have a cut, and those that were not doing so good, they would take about 20% of the class, and they would move them uh, uh, up uh, another stage in Torah school, and they would study to about 17 years old. And then when they became 17 years old, there was another cut, and those that wanted to continue, uh, they would continue. And to continue, they would have to ask a rabbi if they could be their Talmud, if they could be their disciple. The rabbis would examine them, and they would examine them to see if they were really worthy to be their disciple. And the rabbis wanted someone that believed, they believed, 
would be, become just like them. They wanted their Talmud. Their, they wanted their disciple to become just like them. So then the disciple would follow so close to their rabbi, they would do everything to imitate that rabbi, even the way he walked, even his gestures, the way he spoke, the way he answered questions. They would do everything to imitate that rabbi. But the best compliment that they could have from the general public was this. The dust of your rabbi is all over you. Meaning they would follow that rabbi so close they would have the dust of the rabbi upon them. And then one day Jesus came along on the scene. And he spoke like no other teacher spoke. He spoke like no other rabbi spoke. He had this thing on him, this special a uh, spirit about him called Smacha. And Smacha, if you remember, was authority. And so only a few rabbis had Smacha. Only a few rabbis had, uh, had authority. And Jesus spoke, if you remember, the scripture says, as one that had authority. And so Jesus is on the scene. And when he came on the scene, he did things different than the norm of the day. Instead of a young student choosing a rabbi, Jesus chose his disciples. And so, first of all, if you're taking notes, God doesn't choose the best, he chooses the willing. And he chose fishermen to begin with, Matthew chapter 4. He chose fishermen, he chose a tax collector, uh, he chose the zealot, he, he chose one that wanted to upset the government, Simon the zealot. He, he chose him, and so he chose just ordinary men, and we found last week that that's who he chooses, and he chooses ordinary men today. And so he chooses the, not the best, but he chooses those that are willing. And as Christ is calling you this morning, if you've never accepted his call before, as he calls you this morning, he's saying to you, listen, I'm choosing you because I know that I can work through you. He chooses you not based on your ability, but based on your availability. And so he took these disciples. And by the way, history tells us that all of these uh, disciples were really teenagers when Jesus called them. That's interesting. And so listen to his voice as he calls you this morning. And as he does, remember, he calls not the best, but he calls those that are willing. Point two, today's sermon God chooses us, and God chose us, and we did not choose him. Matthew verse 14, 4 verse, uh, verse 19. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So here's the point. Jesus came seeking them instead of them seeking him. When I was saved, I really wasn't seeking Jesus. I was doing everything else but seeking Jesus. Then all of a sudden, I heard a still, small voice. His spirit spoke to my spirit and was calling me to salvation. And if you're a believer this morning, that's how it's worked. That's how it worked. And, uh, and perhaps Jesus is speaking to your heart today about giving your life to him. He's still calling today. He came seeking them instead of them seeking him. He said in Luke 19, verse 10, he describes his purpose in coming to earth, and he said this, For the Son of Man has come to seek 
and to save those that are lost. So Jesus, by this, is still in the seeking, the calling, the choosing, and the drawing people to himself to be saved today. And so he comes to the disciples, and he said to them, follow me. He chose them. They didn't choose him. They chose a profession of fishing, never thought that Jesus would be their rabbi. They were just fishermen. But he chose them. And when Jesus called them, and when Jesus calls you, he has a plan for you. He has a plan for your marriage. He has a plan for your schooling. If you're in high school, grammar school, wherever it might be, he has a plan for you, a plan for you, your schooling, a plan for your marriage, a plan for wherever you work, a plan for your family. Then he has in that plan for you a plan for you to bring forth fruit. Now you need to remember that. If you are a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, his plan for you, no one excluded, is to bring forth fruit. Now what's a fruit? It's the salvation of souls. He wants you to bring forth fruit. And so he has a plan for your marriage, your family, and for you to bring forth fruit. And, and not a bit of that is dependent upon yourself. It's all dependent. If you want to have a perfect marriage, you'll never have one in and of yourself. If you want a godly marriage, you've got to trust Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. If you want to have a marriage that everybody else envies, you've got to put Jesus Christ first in your life. Husbands has to put Christ first. Wives has to put Christ first. And when both of you put Christ first, you're going to have a marriage that everybody else is going to be envious of. But if you don't put Christ first, I'm telling you, it's going to fall apart. You may love each other, okay, but it's going to come apart some other place. Why is that? It's not a godly marriage. And that's why you need to be careful, youth, about who you marry. Make sure they're a believer. If you're a believer, make sure they're a believer because uh, uh, you're headed for problems if they're not, to be honest with you. And so it's dependent on his ability to do it through you and not that you... It means that you have to put your confidence in God. You put your confidence in him. So first, he didn't choose the best. He chose, uh, he, he choose, he chose the willing and then God chose us, and we did not choose him. Number three, if you're taking notes, God chose us to follow him. Follow me. Now, he didn't tell them where they were going. He didn't tell them what they were going to be doing. He just said, follow me. He didn't tell them their assignment. He said, follow me. Now, now why? Because their primary call is not to do something. Their primary call was to become like him. Christ didn't call you to do something. Christ called you, first of all, to be like him, to be a follower of him, to be just like him. He invited his disciples into a distinct relationship with him. And he does that today. When he calls people to himself today, he calls you to a distinct relationship with him. I like what the author Bill Hull said in, in this, and I quote. He says, I am, I am to live as though Jesus is living in me. I am to live 
as though as Jesus is living in me. If Jesus, if you're a plumber, and Jesus was a plumber, how would he be living? If you're an attorney and Jesus is in you, how would he be living? If Jesus, if you're an accountant and Jesus was an accountant, how would, he be li- how would you be living? If you owned a business and Jesus was in you, how would you be living if you were a blue-collar worker, a welder, if you were a machinist, if you worked in a plant, if you worked in an industry, if you taught school, if you taught college, and Jesus is in you, how would you be living? So a disciple has an end goal. Here's the end goal. The end goal is to be conformed into the image of Christ. That's your end goal. That's my end goal, to be like him. So to talk, we need to talk like he talked. Think he'd use profanity? You think he'd get angry? How would, how would he talk? How would he walk? Live his life. How would he respond to someone when he needed to respond? And so listen, we are to become like him, and to become like him, you're going to have to know him. And to know him, you have to spend time with him. And to spend time with him, it means you have to soak up every single word that he says. And there are so many things that you could take advantage of here at Mountain View Baptist Church to assist you in becoming a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Small groups to start with. Sunday school, Bible fellowship. Sunday school, soak it up. Soak up every word there in that small group. A D group, a discipleship group. Soak up every word that you're taught in that D group listening in a worship service like you're doing now. Soak it up. Don't get on your phone. Don't, you know, pay attention. And our students, you're old enough to pay attention in church like you are in class. Soak it up. Attend discipleship training on Sunday night. We have the best topic tonight. It's how to be, how to be a, a pest, how to be a, how to, to guide your, your mind and your emotions to where you're, an, where you're an optimist and not a pessimist. You know, I don't, like, I don't really like to be around negative people. I don't like to hear negative talk in the church. You have that at times. But I want to be a positive person. How can I be a positive person during a crisis? How can I be a positive person during COVID? How can I be a positive person going through some type of trial or crisis or test at home or at school or wherever it might be? Come together tonight. Learn how to be, a pest, learn how to be an optimist and not a pessimist. And we're going to study that tonight. Grow deeper in the Word. Be here at church on Sunday night, Wednesday night prayer time and Bible study. I went back, and I just flipped back to Wednesday night, and I was, I was kind of discouraged, and, it, and the devil uses that in me a lot. There were 31 views on Wednesday night Bible study. 31, which means not everybody that attends church watches Bible study on Sunday night. You don't have to show your hands, raise your hands for either one. 
Are you wanting to hear his word, study his word, take it in? Are you viewing that on Wednesday night? Now, you may have an excuse, you know, I don't have internet and all that. I understand that. But uh, to have 70 on a Wednesday night and then have 31 to view it on Wednesday night, that was a little discouraging. Come on Wednesday night. Enroll in Secret Church. Cal will be sharing that a little later on. Memorize Scripture. Have a personal devotion. Do you want, here's the big question, do you want the dust of your rabbi, which is Jesus, all over you? If you do, you've got to soak up his word, and you can't do it by not studying his word, being in the presence of his word, listening to his word, hearing his word. If you want the dust of Jesus on you, you've got to, Soak up the word. And then you're going to have his word saturated over every part of your life. You cannot know Jesus any more than you know his word. If you want to know Jesus, you got to know his word. He doesn't choose the best, he chooses the willing. He chose us, we did not choose him. He chose us to follow him i.e. to be with him. And number four, to follow him means to leave it all behind. Look, if you will, at verse 19. He said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and they followed him. Oh, this is big stuff. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them, he chose them. And immediately... They left their boat, their father, and they followed him. They left their boat. That's critical. They left their father. They left their boat, meaning they left their career. They left their career. They left their father, meaning they left relationships behind, important relationships. They left the two most important things in their lives, their career and their relationships. And Jesus said, if you follow me, this is what he said, I must have precedence over your life. I have to be number one in your life. Not your wife, not your children. I love my wife, I love my children. I love the church, I love my grandchild, my grandchildren. I love, but first is Jesus. He has to be first. Jesus said, if you follow me, I have to have precedence over both of those things, career and relationship. You see, let me tell you what that means. Listen up. There are going to be moments in your life that you're going to have to decide what holds greater sway over your life. Jesus or something secular in the world. The church or something secular in the world. The church, your family, Jesus, God, family, children, church. That's my order. You're going to have to prioritize your life, and he must be first if you're going to be a follower of his. High school students, listen up. You may be the only Christian in your class that's possible in today's high school or junior high. You may be the only Christian you may be the only Christian in your friend group. But if you choose to follow Jesus, 
You may get labeled. You may get labeled as religious. You may get labeled as a freak. You may get labeled as a virgin. You may get labeled by the secular world. So you decide this. Am I willing to be intimidated by friends to follow Jesus? Is it my friends, adults included, or is it Jesus? What is it? He, he doesn't choose the best, he chooses the willing. He chose us, we didn't choose him. He chose us to follow him, and to follow him means to leave it all behind and put him first in your life. Don't say he's first if he's not first. Don't say, I love the Lord, and then you're at the top of the list, and he's somewhere three or four bars down. Number five, and I'll close with this. Jesus commands us to reproduce spiritually. Look at verse 19. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So he commands us to reproduce spiritually. The point is, just like he had been a fisher of men, his followers also would become fishers of men. This is essential in being a disciple. It's not something that a few people do, just the preacher and the deacons and a few Sunday school teachers. It's not just for a few to make disciples. It's something that Jesus says that all of us are to do. All of us who are followers of his. In fact, Jesus says, if fishing for men is not part of what you do, then you're not my disciple. Wow, you say, Brother Sammy, come on now. You don't have to be that tough. I'm not. The Word of God is. Look at John 15, verse 8. John 15, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, bearing much fruit is winning people to the Lord. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. So God says, prove to me that you're my disciple. Well, I go to church. I read my Bible occasionally. I'm trying to be a good person. And I even go to Sunday school. And I do those things. So the question is, how do we prove that we're a disciple of his? We bear much fruit. That's what he says there. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So the point is, bearing fruit is to be a part of the believer's life, the disciple's life. And the point is, if you're not reproducing spiritually, there's a good reason to believe whether or not you're actually a disciple of Jesus. Based on John chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus gave us the Great Commission. Let's look at that just a moment. Matthew, you probably know where it is and you probably have it memorized. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples. Wow. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit 
teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. The point is, everything we do at Mountain View Baptist Church should be centered around the core ministry, and that is winning people to Jesus, making disciples. Did you know that there's one verb uh, in the Greek for two words, making disciples. There's one Greek word for that, making disciples. Did you know that uh, that's a verb, making disciples? The, other, the others are participles. They come from making disciples, teaching and baptizing. That comes from making disciples. And that's been the core of our church for I know 40, since 1982 when we went through Master Life and we had as a discipleship process and 32 people, I mean, uh, uh, 18 people went through that. And that year we had 52 additions in the church. Why? They were willing to make disciples. Jesus summarized his ministry. He said, this is my ministry, Luke 19. This is what he said, verse 10. He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those that are lost. Now listen, doesn't that mean that if we are his disciples, that would be how we summarized our ministry? Is that how you would summarize your ministry as a believer? Jesus came to seek and to save those which are lost. That's his ministry. And if we're riding his coattail, getting dust on us from following him, don't you think that would be the summarization of our ministry too? That I have come into this world to, to seek and to save those that are lost. He called you, he appointed you to go and bring forth fruit. And some of you here this morning, those who are viewing online, you need to stop just being a Christian, so to speak, and be what he called you to be, a disciple a follower of Jesus. Last week, real quick, I mentioned three stages in the ministry of Jesus. First was come and see. They asked the first question of Jesus found in the New Testament, John 1, verse 38. Where do you live? He said, come and see. Now, that's the first stage of Jesus' ministry where people were coming to him and listening to him and being taught by him. And that's where a lot of people are today. They come to church, they hear, they leave. They come back, they come here, they listen, they leave. They come here, they listen, they leave. You're at the come and see part. You're at the come and see stage. But the second stage was the come and die stage, John 12, 24 through 26. Come and die means you fully committed yourself to Jesus Christ. No restrictions whatsoever. He's first in my life. I don't care. I'm sorry, wife. I'm sorry, husband. Children, I'm sorry, parents. But I'm putting Jesus Christ's personal decision. I'm putting him first in my life. I talk to people who say, Brother Sammy, I'd be saved if he'd get saved. Really? So you're going to be lost because he's lost. You're going to hell because your husband's going to hell. Y'all really be happy there, I'm thinking to myself. Then you have the be fully committed stage, stage two. Then stage three, go and tell, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So the question is, where are you this morning? Are you just coming and seeing and coming and seeing and coming and seeing when you have that time? 
Or have you come to that fully committed stage, no restrictions whatsoever? Kids, get ready. We're going to church. Don't want to hear, you don't want to. Come on, you're going to learn about Jesus. And you'll see them get saved one day. Or have you got from that stage to the go and tell? Do you know who your one is? Are you praying for your one? Has Jesus put a one? I believe if you'd ask him, Lord, who's a lost person that I can build a relationship and I can one day um, share the gospel with them and they'd be saved. And you say, Brother Sammy, I can't share the gospel. I'm afraid to. He didn't call you to work through you. He called you where he could work through you. He's not wanting your abilities. He's wanting your availability. And you'll be surprised what you do, what you could do or what he could do through you if you'd surrender yourself to him. So today, some of you may need to invite Christ into your life. You need to come and see. And after you've heard this morning, you need to say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved. You need to be saved. You need to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. Or some of you this morning, you need to take another step. You need to go from the come and see to the totally committed. And then some need to go and tell. Pray to be saved, to become a follower of Jesus. Pray and move from stage one to fully committed. Pray to stage two and pray and move from stage three and go and tell. Come this morning and pray for you one that you can share the gospel to. I promise you this, based on God's word, he will give you the words to say at the time for your one. And you know how I know that? When you follow close to his coattail, you get his dust on you by the word, you're going to be surprised how you're going to be so excited to tell others about the person you're following. You know why you don't tell others? Because you don't know anything to tell to others. And why is that? Called to be a Christian? No. Called to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning, and thank you for loving us enough that you would pause and call us to yourself to be reconciled to you as just an old lost sinner, having no ability whatsoever, but just saying, Lord, today I'm coming and I'm asking you to forgive me and come into my life and save me. And Lord, I don't know what to do, but Lord, I'm just making myself available for you to use. Just use me, Lord. And Lord, I want, to, I want to sit at your feet. I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to, to read my Bible more. Have my devotion time. Stay as close to you as I can be. Lord, I've been coming and seeing and coming and seeing and coming and seeing. And now I need to move forward in commitment with no restrictions. There's things here in this church, Lord, I know that needs to be done. And I want to be able to help in some way. I'm totally committed to you. Our Lord, today I need to move from that totally committed to the go and tell. And I pray that uh, in the next year I'll be able to win at least one person to you by sharing the good news of you. Thank you for what you're going to do, Lord, this morning.
Thank you. I pray you'll bless this weak effort that I've made. But it's not about me, but take your word and apply it to the lives of people as the Holy Spirit moves on their heart. In Jesus' name.